You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A Carson Wentz trade is set to go off any day now, any hour now, any minute now. Maybe it's already gone off by the time you're listening to this podcast. But either way, we're going to carefully trek forward and help get you ready for the possibility of a new Chicago Bears quarterback. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group. On the show today, we'll be joined by Ben Solak from Locked On NFL Draft, who just so happens to cover the Philadelphia Eagles for Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio. And I don't know anyone else who knows the Philadelphia Eagles as through and through as he does. And so he's going to join us to help explain what happened to Carson Wentz, how he went from the MVP caliber type quarterback early in his career to really falling off the rails the last year or so in Philadelphia, now to the point where they fired their head coach and are gearing up to trade him to the Bears, the Colts, whoever ends up winning this apparent bidding war. So we'll talk about the decline and also what the Bears could still get from Carson Wentz in Chicago, as well as what kind of value would be appropriate as opposed to what kind of value the Eagles might get for him. And a lot of little insider tips on Carson Wentz's relationships with his coaching staff, with his wide receivers, with Nick Foles, and how a lot of those off-the-field dynamics played into the on-the-field decline we saw. I really think Ben's analysis here is spot-on. It's in-depth. It's the kind of deep layers that I always try and get to when I talk about the Chicago Bears, and he brings it from a Philadelphia Eagles perspective, and I don't think you can find this level of analysis and insight into Carson Wentz's recent past anywhere else. Joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is the ever-handsome Benjamin Solak. The Twitter bio remains flawless, the Twitter profile picture as well. He is the host of well, one of the hosts of Locked On NFL Draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He is a senior college football writer now for the Draft Network. He's the deputy editor of Bleeding Green Nation, also covers the Eagles on the Bleeding Green Nation radio podcast network as well. And, of course, he knows all things Philadelphia Eagles to help us out here with the now currently swirling Carson Wentz rumors, recording this before any potential deal has been done. First of all, Ben, um, how are you enjoying what appears to be the end of your Carson Wentz roller coaster ride? It's bad. It feels like the rest of the Carson Wentz roller coaster ride, man. I mean, like, 50% of my mentions are asking me why the Eagles don't have to trade a pick to get rid of the Wentz contract. And the other 50% of my mentions are confused why two first round picks feels like too much uh, of an ask for Carson Wentz. And absolutely nobody's in the middle, uh, which is how it's largely been on Wentz for the last couple of years, right? Either the circumstances around him have been so terrible as to make an MVP caliber player look like the worst player in the league, or he was actually never any good. 2017 was perfect set of circumstances and this is who he truly is. And there's no chance that he's just somewhere in the middle. And that's how it is with, with, with most, most things. But yeah, this, this 
this Wentz deal really is something because I, for as much as, as faith as the Eagles had that they would be able to get big deals for him and, and potentially take one of them, I really didn't think that they'd get a fish on the line. Uh, and it sounds like they got one. <laughs> and uh, Ryan Pace has played the fish on the line role pretty well over his uh, his career as the GM of the Bears. So not surprising, I, I guess. It, should, it shouldn't have been surprising that we got to this spot. Yeah, it's not too uncommon for this Bears general manager for sure. And there's some desperation here. I, I want to start the big picture a little bit with the Eagles and then kind of parse down into Wentz in particular. You know, I think back to, of course, you know, Nick Foles in the Super Bowl season and how well things went for, for Carson Wentz and for the Eagles. And then even even in 2018 with some ups and downs, you know, they went from this team that, you know, beat the Bears in the wild card game and, you know, was on this playoff run and had a lot of playoff success to what were they last year? Four and 11 and fired their head coach or four, 11 and one, excuse me, fired their head coach. I know there was a power struggle there, but like separate from the front office power dynamic, how did things go so off the rails? How did they get, how did they go so quickly from Super Bowl champion to fired head coach and now starting over potentially with a new quarterback? Yeah, it's, it's tough to separate that from front office power dynamic, but it, it is an appropriate question. It purely on field, Right, the Eagles—they uh, lose John DeFilippo and they lose Frank Reich. Mike Groh is promoted, is promoted. Press Taylor is promoted. All in, internal promotions, and the Eagles' offense lost a lot of its teeth in that process. So even going back to 2018, uh, a lot of the approach became—you know—we're going to get this West Coast concept on this side of the formation. We're going to get this West Coast concept on this side of the formation. We're going to have Wentz walk up to the line of scrimmage. He's going to take a look, see what he likes. If he doesn't like, he's going to kill to a run. He's going to kill to a, to a checked pass. He's going to maybe package a play, and we're going to go. And we're going to ask our quarterback to just beat the defense, snap after snap after snap. Why this happened is an interesting conversation. The legend goes that they gave Wentz too much power in the offense because of an edict from ownership, right? Because uh, they were so impressed with Wentz in 2017 when he was running like an RPO offense and it was a little bit simpler uh, that they were like, let, you know, they very famously like given him input on players that they've drafted. You know what I mean? Like the six of the Eagles last seven offensive picks have been from the same agency as Carson Wentz's rep one. You know what I mean? Like he's had a lot of input in the draft room. And so the, the, again, like the rumors say that, that he has a lot of influence in how this offense is designed. And he styles himself as like a line of scrimmage general who can always get his offense in a look that'll beat the defense. And then he's just going to Peyton Manning you all the way down the field. Right. That became the Eagles approach. Very traditional West coast, all about just leverage, all about, all right, you know, five yard in breaking route and you got to throw this open. And, and there were, it lacked a lot of spice, lacked a lot of creativity. Bears fans may be like, Oh, this sounds familiar. It's a curl flat everywhere. Okay. <laughs> uh, that goes into 2018, but Wentz is banged out for that entire season has back injury that nobody knows about. Isn't playing well. He gets benched. Foles gets in there and the offense succeeds. They win the, the playoff game in Chicago. We get him 2019 Wentz is healthier, supposedly. Uh, but they have massive wide receiver problems. Nobody's able, able to be successful in that role. They, they've got Alshon Jeffrey can't be healthy. JJ Thicke Whiteside isn't good. Offensive line starts to get a little bit worse. Wentz is just missing guys all over the place. It's because the wide receivers are bad, whatever. Then we get to 2020. And it's like, all right, 2018, he was banged up. 2019, the wide receivers sucked. 2020 is going to be fine. And it turns out 2020 was just a, coalesce, a coalescing of all of these issues. Wide receivers stayed banged up. Offensive line started getting banged up. And Wentz really started pushing the issue. Wentz really started saying, uh, I, I got to 
control this offense. I'm going to be this, this style of quarterback. I'm going to, you know, uh, read all these half fields and I'm going to make these decisions. It's going to be great. And he would never move in the pocket and he would never check it down. And he would just hang in there and be like, I'm Ben Roethlisberger. Ah, right, here we go. And he was just constantly taking sacks. He didn't protect the football <laughs> and he would put the ball in harm's way. It was all dreadful. And then the, Doug Peterson was like, we're going to simplify the offense. And Wentz was like, no, like I'm Carson Wentz. And Doug Peterson was like, yeah, but we have no wide receivers and no offensive linemen. Like, we have to make this easier. And Wentz was like, I don't need it to be easier. And they just continued to suck and they continued to suck. And then eventually Doug was like, you're a bench. And Wentz was like, this is unreasonable. And it's like, well, not really. You were really bad. Uh, so that, that relationship, head coach, offensive designer to quarterback, really dissolved over the course of three years. Uh, Press Taylor became the quarterback's coach in Philadelphia after DeFilippo left, now with the Bears. He was largely criticized for being way too soft on Wentz. Uh, never, like, you know, they'd be like, Carson, you need to do this better. And Carson would be like, no, I don't. And they'd be like, yeah, you're right. Like, they, you know, they, what, Carson <laughs> just didn't take to coaching. You know what I mean? He, he developed a very negative relationship with his coaching staff because they couldn't get him to make changes and he couldn't play better. And so they were just ramming their heads into this wall of Wentz doing the same things over and over again unsuccessfully and refusing to change. And it's, Interesting to think about him as a trade candidate because with DiFilippo obviously in Chicago, you think about when Wentz was young, when he was a rookie, DiFilippo really pushed him. DiFilippo was an intense coach. Can he do that again with a veteran now, Wentz who's been in the league for five years, who thinks he knows the ins and outs of everything? Uh, so that relationship with the coaches dissolved. The, the the lack of a supporting cast didn't help. But also you just simply have to look at Wentz and say, okay, you're less accurate than you were. You're less mobile than you were. You're a worse decision maker than you were. You're constantly inviting your own pressure and causing your own problems in the pocket. You aren't playing good football, and that's a result of of all these things around you. Yes, but also, you know, your failures to improve as a player. Yeah, that's that's how things really can fall off of the map so quickly for Carson Wentz with the Philadelphia Eagles. But the real question is whether or not things can turn around and turn around just as quickly in Chicago with Matt Nagy, with John DiFilippo, and with whatever the Bears supporting cast is going to look like. We'll discuss his fit and his fixability Next, on Locked On Bears. Did you cash in at all from Sunday's big game? I was able to add a little bit to my wallet with some prop bets at betonline.ag. As it turned out, anticipating an underwhelming offensive performance from the Chiefs, going under on Mahomes passing yards, under on Tyreek Hill receiving yards, all kind of worked out pretty well. It was not a perfect day of betting for me, but... Certainly got some great odds to work with at betonline.ag. That's why it's the number one place we recommend and the number one place we trust. And just because football season is over doesn't mean there aren't more fun ways to play. They have NFL and college football futures available. Of course, basketball, hockey games going on right now as well. And so much more coming throughout the offseason. You got to head on over to betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and use our promo code Locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We're talking all things Carson Wentz, Philadelphia Eagles, and potentially soon the Chicago Bears. Here with Ben Solak from the Draft Network, Locked on NFL Draft, and most pertinently, Bleeding Green Nation, where he covers the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Ben, do you think this sort of, I don't know if ego is too strong a word, but this this relationship dynamic with Wentz and clearly a power struggle from the quarterback level, is that something that you think was 
always there and just never really came out until later and and you know shit started hitting the fan and all of a sudden you're getting pressed and you got to you know something's got to change and so the quarterback changes a little bit in his you know dynamic or or is that something that only developed later on in the season I guess you know is there I guess that's the roundabout way of asking like is this something that we should expect to continue in Chicago I realize it's all sort of speculation but how, how do you how have you seen changes in Wentz or is this sort of who he's always been yeah, that's an important question because a lot of times when you have a head coach get fired, rumors come out as to how much he was mistreated. And you're like, well, yeah, he just got fired. He doesn't have to keep secrets anymore. <laughs> you know, this is you, you, you go on a PR campaign once you get fired. And that uh, certainly happened when Peterson was fired. Like Peterson was fired. And then a day later, we learned that after they hired him in 2016, he went seven and nine with the rookie quarterback. They interviewed Jim Schwartz for the head coaching job, considering making Schwartz the head coach and demoting Peterson. Like they never fully trusted him. This again goes to ownership, front office, and kind of that power dynamic. With that said, as early as after the 2018 season, you know, when there was the uh, unnamed source who was 100% Alshon Jeffrey uh, talking to Deshina Anderson about <laughs> how Wentz targets Zach Ertz too much. He needs to learn how to check it down. He's got to get rid of the ball quicker. Like those were happening during the 2018 season. Like, oh, he has a, a, a certain segment of the locker room that he talks to and he doesn't hang out with any of the other guys. Uh, when he got, you know, put on, on the medical bench for the back injury and Foles came in. And, you know, the locker room started being like, yay, Foles is back, our playoff hero. There was the reports that, like, Wentz was pissed, that the team was excited that Foles was going to, you know, play for them in the playoffs, and that Foles won those games, got them to the playoffs again. So as early as 2018, we got these reports. There was a, a very famous Philly Voice report that was, you know, sourced. You know, like, it was worked on for several months that was, like, here's like a lot of people in the locker room who don't like the way that Wentz manages himself. And there's, you know, what Wentz has issues with his coaches and doesn't take to coaching very well. And this was, again, this was one year after the MVP caliber season of 2017, right off of a 2018 season in which all of his issues were explained away with the injury. He, he came back from the ACL too quick and he had the back problem. So that was viewed as completely uh like you know like it was it was it was viewed with a lot of scorn a lot of derision that 2018 philly voice report where it was like this is ridiculous like this is just two sour grapes in the locker room there's no reason for this he's a great player the fact that those reports existed then is critical for us understanding where we are now because if they didn't exist then and we had gotten here it'd be a lot easier to say this is hearsay this is rigmarole this is nonsense you know what i mean this is just uh, everybody's falling apart everybody's trying to blame somebody else they're all blowing up issues to be way more than they are the eagles had uh two consecutive division wins no 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 they had two consecutive playoff berths and two consecutive seasons with a division with a with a playoff win this was a good team you know peterson was like a, one of the best head coaches in the league you know what i mean they were healthy after 2018 people wanted to be like them and there were these reports that, that Wentz was a problem in the locker room and Wentz was a problem with the coaching staff. Then things started to get bad in the win-loss column. And those reports seemed to gain more substance. So I think, yes, like it's something you should expect with Wentz. I think that what's most fascinating about Wentz in Chicago specifically is, okay, oh, John Filippo, Matt Nagy, how are they going to run the offense? Whatever, yada, yada, supporting cast isn't great. What's going to happen when they hit their first real bump in the road? And that may be like week one, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just bad. But it may be like, you know, they're good for a little bit and they're running the, the wide zone Trubisky offense and they, they move the ball a little bit. And then they get two games in a row in which Wentz struggles. What happens then? Because I don't think he has a good response to when he plays poorly. I think that he he digs his heels in. And he doesn't like to change what he's doing. And he thinks he's just, you know, everybody's got to play better around me and yada, yada. 
that moment will be critical to understanding is this just Wentz's personality or was this really the situation in Philadelphia? So there's zero chance you could keep Nick Foles on the same roster as Wentz at this yeah. point. Yeah. Correct? I mean, like, you, if you want to, <laughs> sure. Functionally. I don't, right. I mean, like, I called them arch frenemies in an article Ooh, uh, for Green like Green, that. which I liked because, like, they're definitely, like, friends in the sense that, like, they're both NFL quarterbacks, both like, you know, devout Christian men, and they, they orient themselves on the same things. And when they were in the Eagles locker room together up until that Super Bowl run, it was all vibes. It's just that that when your backup quarterback wins a Super Bowl over you, especially in a season in which you were so good, it sits on you. There's no way it doesn't sit on you. And and Wentz has absolutely not handled it the way that you would ideally handle it as a mature adult. But there's no real good way to handle that situation, especially because Foles remained in the locker room in 2018 and there was, it's Philadelphia. So there were constant cries that Foles should be starting over Wentz. If you leave Wentz and Foles in the same locker room in Chicago, you're not going to have the relationship between quarterback one and quarterback two that you want. The ideal, you know, collaborative, we're in the meeting room, we're pointing things out to each other. We trust each other. We use each other on the sidelines to figure stuff out. How much that relationship matters is up for debate. But I think your average NFL team would say it's important and you're not going to have a good one if it's Wentz and Foles. So if that's something that, you, that you're, you know, you're, you're, you don't really think that Foles is like a critical backup quarterback to have and you, you'd be comfortable having somebody else, then, yeah, you don't want his off-field dynamic with Wentz in that locker room because it's already going to start from a, a, a noxious spot. Do you think a comparison here loosely to Jay Cutler's situation in Denver is fair. I mean, I don't think the Doug Peterson, Josh McDaniels situation is a one-to-one comparison, but in terms of like some of the ways you're talking about the the ego dynamics and the relationships, it's not so much you know the ownership thing like with Wentz, but I guess in terms of how the quarterback has interacted with his teammates, do you think that's a fair comparison based on uh, what you remember about uh, Jay in Denver, or 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 not so much? I'll, right, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember too much about Cutler in Denver until the moment you said Jay Cutler in Denver. I was like, oh, shoot, Jay Cutler played in Denver. Completely <laughs> forgot that that was where he started his career. Right, That was nuts. Um, so I don't remember too much about that. Obviously, Cutler, like, attitude on the sideline. Like, oh, he threw a pick, and now he's sulking. Like, that was a constant thing. And, and the, the, the tricky thing is, like, these narratives build and write themselves they're self-sustaining once they exist they don't go away and it doesn't really matter how you actually act as a quarterback if you're known as this guy you're known as this guy so how Wentz is just what his his demeanor is like how he acts Monday to Saturday people's opinions of him in the building whether they like him or not will follow him forever. He has a, a storied career with the Bears, brings him to the playoffs multiple times, whatever. Every single year, they're still going to be asking questions about this because now it's a, it's, it's a reality with him. This is what matters when you talk about Carson Wentz. This is kind of what he's like to other people. And that obviously was the case with Jay Cutler. You know what I mean? Like I, Devin Hester, when he was on uh, uh, the 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 show with Master Tisfastian for uh, Bleacher Report, Untold Stories, that's what it is, right? And he was basically just like, Jay just like chose who he was going to talk to and chose who he wasn't going to talk to. Yeah. That same thing has been said about Wentz already in his career. So that's not going away. So, I don't know. As, as we, when I think about John Filippo in Chicago, right, it seems like that's a good, that, that was a good fit for Carson in, in Philadelphia and that some of what you were talking about with Doug Peterson's scheme early on when Carson Wentz was being successful, those are things Matt Nagy either can get back to or will straight up just want to get to do with this Bears offense. I don't know that we know exactly how this Bears offense is going to look in 2021, but like, do you feel like the Bears are, 
I guess, sort of the best landing spot for Carson Wentz in the sense that, like, if any if any team is going to make it work, it's Chicago. Like, we're not going to be wondering, you know, if he goes to the Bears, we're not going to be wondering, oh, could a different team have done better with Carson Wentz? I realize the Bears, in the last year of their head coach, and there's some instability there, but in terms of, like, the coaches in place and the system in place and maybe the players in place, assuming Nick Foles is out of the picture, do you see this as if it's going to work for Wentz, this is the place it would work? No. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. I'm curious, though. Right. It, here's the difficult thing. So much of the supporting Wentz argument is is supporting cast held him back in Philadelphia. And if you're looking for a team to argue has a worse offensive supporting cast than Philadelphia, it's tough. But the best team is probably Chicago. Yeah. Right. The, when the offensive line in Chicago is healthy, it's not as good as the Eagles healthy offensive line. Right. And the Eagles obviously didn't have that healthy offensive line last year. But like, let's say their O line is at full strength. They, they obviously they can make additions. I understand that draft picks, whatever, but they're probably spending the first round pick to go get Wentz anyway. So if the offensive line is as it is, it's it's worse than what Wentz was accustomed to in Philadelphia. Maybe not this past season exactly, but generally what he's accustomed to. Allen Robinson's out the door, right? Like we're confident in saying that. Yeah. Franchise so, franchise tag is a possibility, but he will not be happy about it. So yeah. Right. But yeah. So it's bad. You're looking at Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller. I mean, it's not it's it's not a great wide receiver room in Chicago. Again, like Cole Komet, young tight end. Maybe Komet's a good guy. Running game, right? Demo had a, a nice end of, end of the season in 2020, but I don't think that they've been a consistent team running the football. It's not a good uh, Matt Nagy with the designs. It's not a great yeah. supporting cast in Chicago. And so you're going to get the Wentz that pushes. You're going to get the Wentz that thinks he has to hold onto the ball and do Patrick Mahomes against the Bucks things and run around 10,000 yards and try to make plays. And he's just not as quick as he was before the ACL injury, and he's horribly insecure with the football. He's going to take sass. He's going to create fumbles. He's going to put your defense in bad spots. Like, this is what he's done. So I think Filippo is a very good quarterback developer, but the quarterback has to, like, be young and, and fresh and new to the league to like fall in line with what Filippo says. If Wentz, you know, gets right back on the horse of like Thursday quizzes, you know what I mean? Which is how Filippo ran it in Philadelphia when he was here. That'd be, that'd be great. I think that'd be to Wentz's benefit. So you could get a boost coaching wise that existing relationship could help, but it's the supporting casting that really worries me. Chicago's not built to elevate a quarterback and Wentz, even if he plays better than he did in 2020, which I think is a reasonable expectation just because 2020 was absolutely freaking horrible and there's no way he can play worse. Even if he plays better, he needs to be elevated. And I don't find the players on Chicago's roster necessary to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, we don't know what this Bears supporting cast is going to be, but they've got a lot of work to do if they want to build it up to support Wentz or I guess whoever they end up choosing as their next quarterback but whatever trade compensation they give up to get Wentz or whoever is going to affect their ability to build around them. So up next with Ben Solak, we'll discuss what the trade compensation should be for Carson Wentz, given the other quarterbacks available, Wentz's injury history and recent decline, and what the Philadelphia Eagles market should look like. Keep it locked right here on Locked on Bears. Clearly, the Chicago Bears are trying to find a brand new engine for their ride, but we know all the other parts under the hood are going to be really crucial for getting this car on the road. Fortunately, 
We have sites like rockauto.com to help us get all the parts we could ever need for our cars and trucks. Their catalog is so incredibly deep. Anything you could possibly imagine. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether you're fixing up a classic car in the garage or just want to tune up your daily commuter, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Because you might not know that the chain part stores will actually have different price tiers for the professional mechanics and the do-it-yourselfers like us. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Head on over to rockauto.com right now and see everything they have available for your car or truck. Write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Since you mentioned the ACL there briefly, I wanted to touch on uh, Wentz's injury history, I know, I, you know, you look in three seasons, he's missed like, you know, 10 or 12 games in there and only finished a complete season twice. Do you, I mean, you're not a doctor, none of us are injury experts, but like, do you get the impression that like, these things have been a little bit more, you know, isolated, I don't want to call them anomalies because it's happened three times, but you know what I mean? Like, is there, is there long-term right. concerns there or does it feel like he's just been unlucky? Right. That's the thing is, I don't think that Wentz is particularly injury prone. But I do think that Wentz, A, plays a style of quarterback and then invites hits. He loves to hang in the pocket. He loves to, you know, make the guy miss at the last second. So he gets hit. He gets ripped down a lot. So he's a big quarterback. He's got a Roethlisberger, Newton build, and he plays like him. So that's one. So you're going to take more hits. And two, he isn't as quick as he was. He was so good on the hoof in 2017. And then he tore his ACL and he didn't just tear his ACL. He tore his ACL and his MCL and the other one, either PCL or LCL. I can't remember, but he tore three of the four. I'm positive this. He came back from that and, and he had the back in 2018. We talked about whatever. He has never been as explosive. Uh, he came into camp this year, you know, new dad at like 240, and it was like a good 240, but it was still 240 and he's <laughs> slow. And, and, and over the course of the year, you know, like they obviously don't update us on his weight week to week, but it looked like he got slimmer with an intent to get faster. So he isn't injury prone in the sense that like, oh, he's, you know, he has a high ankle sprain, the same ankle three times. Like that's like Tua Tungvaluwa, right? Tua's got like a history with high ankle sprains. That's what happens. He's not injury prone in that sense, but he takes more hits than your average quarterback and runs around as if he's healthier than he was. And so he's going to look perpetually banged up for that reason. He's going to take a lot of blows across the course of a season. He's going to run around a lot on, on, a, on legs that don't necessarily hold him the way they should. So it is like, he's never as he's never 100%. I'm not sure I'll ever be 100% for the rest of his career, given what he thinks 100% of himself is. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. All right, last thing before I let you go here, I appreciate a lot of your great analysis um, from your perspective with the Eagles. If we take away sort of what we've heard in trade rumors up to this point. What do you think value-wise Wentz should be worth on the market? Like, cool. I guess, you know, if you're the Eagles and you're advising Eagles fans, you would say, hey, Eagles fans, you should be really happy if you get this for Carson Wentz because that's that's about how much they should get 
for Carson Wentz in an ideal world where, you know, take take out what we've heard so far from rumors and maybe Ryan Pace and the Colts bidding against each other or maybe bidding against themselves and value could inflate in that way. But I guess based on based on Wentz's value to the Eagles, what would you sort of see as from that from that perspective for them, a reasonable take home from that that they should be happy with? Is, is he worth a first round pick? I, I don't feel like no. in a vacuum he is with that contract, but I think they're going to get right. one. You see what you see the, discre- the discrepancy there. So before the Bears rumors began, my opinion on the Wentz trade situation would be this: the Eagles were only going to trade him if they got a package relative to the value they believed he was worth. They believed he was worth at least a first round pick, if not more. I did not think a team was going to offer that. If you know, take take the Eagles' impressions of Wentz out of it. I would have thought after the season he had in 2020 with the fact that you had to pay him 47 million over the next two years, which people are like, it's not even a top 10 quarterback contract. Yeah. It's still starting quarterback money. I would have thought you would have had to have negotiated a deal to give capital to send him away. I'm not talking about like, here's Jared Goff in a first round pick. Please take this from us. But like late, you know, moving around day three and day two picks to send went somewhere else to give you some cap relief. And Wentz was willing, and this was a report in December, to work with the Eagles around his cap hit with restructures and and some fancy cap finagling to potentially make it easier for the Eagles to trade him away or to incentivize the Eagles to trade him away. And there's still a chance when we get this Bears deal and the Bears send whatever they do for Carson Wentz that we learn that Wentz somehow paid some money back to Philadelphia to alleviate their cap hit in 2020, 2022 or beyond, right? Somehow affect his contract to make himself easier to trade. All of that to say, I did not envision the Eagles getting a deal that they would be willing to take. And I thought Wentz was going to be back on the Eagles in 2021. If I were a general manager, like uh, in, in a Colts position, Chris Ballard, there's I would not have spent sent any significant capital for Carson Wentz. It's not worth it. In Ryan Pace's position, I'm probably getting fired next year if the team is bad again. I might as well take as many possible humongous swings at, at bat as I can. Who cares if I spend 2023's first round pick? It doesn't matter. I'm not even going to be here. Sure, but I would not. <laughs> the second you ask me for 20, I'm off the phone. I would not have sent a first round pick for him. And I guess one other thing, if from your perspective, if you compare quarterbacks available this offseason, I know Deshaun Watson's in, in a different conversation, his own league. I would imagine you would put Wentz below Derek Carr among rumored quarterbacks, but like Wentz versus Teddy Bridgewater, if you take the contract off of it, I mean, are, are you going Teddy? I mean, is Wentz more or less at the bottom, or I guess like is Alex Smith, you know, what what sort of range there right. among rumored quarterbacks would you put Carson? Definitely below Carr. Oh, man. Carr played well. And yeah, that's he's, okay. He's underrated, he's, for sure. He's, he's what he is, and whatever, yeah. Uh, Bridgewater is tricky because what are you trying to do? Uh, if you're trying to save your job, make the playoffs, then you go Wentz because Wentz has simply had much higher peak than Bridgewater's ever had. Like, like uh, is Wentz kind of the boomer bust quarterback option here? Yeah. Is that the way to look Absolutely, at it? Right. It, it's you f- four seasons ago, four, f- four seasons four and seven years ago. ago, we came upon right, exactly. four seasons ago. You saw this guy play, and, and we have to remember, like, Wentz probably wasn't going to be winning the MVP award because Brady was playing really well uh, and just had better stats. But this sense around Wentz in 2017 was like, aha, the future of the league, right? Like, that's like, yeah. it was, it was, he was running around like luck and he was yeeting the ball downfield and he just was fearless of everything, and he couldn't miss a a, a 30-yard dig if he tried. Like, it was just, like, it was 
I, I hesitate to say this, but it was like the Mahomesian sensation of like the next generation, behold, that's where we were with him. And so many NFL guys watched him play and said, this is the future. And then they had a head coach who a lot of people didn't think deserved to be a head coach. And they had some personnel issues and all of a sudden once is terrible and per, and, and other teams don't think about, Oh man, like once doesn't really throw uh drag routes at all. Cause he doesn't, he hates them. They're just like, Oh, they ruined him, which is way an oversimplification. And so then you have these people bidding for a player who has not existed in four years. And they think that they can get him back. So he's absolutely the boom bust candidate because that 2017 season existed. But I would be flabbergasted if he ever comes near that level of play again, because he simply isn't the same athlete. And and the bridge has been burned. The 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 he doesn't have that you know uh, perceived invulnerability that your star quarterbacks need to have. Right? Like it's fourth and nine and they're dropping Mahomes back in the Super Bowl with only five blockers because they know him screwing around for 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then chucking it into the end zone is like kind of a high percentage play because he's invulnerable he's inhuman he's superhuman once does not that doesn't exist anymore I don't think you can get him back up to that level just because of where he is mentally and psychologically with how he plays so he is the boomer bust candidate but you're, you're, you're chasing vapors when you're going after the boom yeah so like yes over Bridgewater but also, again, like if I'm the Colts, I would rather have Teddy over Wentz because I think Teddy will just do his job. He'll just be a cog in the machine. And Wentz has never, over the last three years, been comfortable being just a cog in the machine. Well, I think Chasing at Vapors is now going to be the title of the 2020 Chicago Bears memoirs. It's yeah. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and Carson Wentz, Chasing at Vapors. Ben, really appreciate you taking the time and joining us. Uh, let everybody know one more time where they can find your work and, and follow you on Twitter and all that good stuff. No, yeah, thanks for having me on, Lauren. Sad we didn't get to do the Senior Bowl this year. Oh, uh, rip. Glad Locked On Bears still doing well. As as Lauren said, I'm on Locked On NFL Draft with Trevor Sikama. On, so as Bears fans turn themselves to the draft, make sure you swing by five days a week. And all the Eagles stuff, uh, including Carson Wentz angles and takes and film and whatnot, is at bleedinggreennation.com, at BGN Radio. And I am on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Solak is S-O-L-A-K. Beautiful. Thank you so much, sir. I'm sure we'll find a way to do something like this again. And somehow, some way, these Bears and Eagles teams continue to stay pretty intertwined and locked yeah. following each other. So uh, we'll, we'll cross paths again soon, I'm sure. Thanks again to Ben Solak from Lockdown NFL Draft, Bleeding Green Nation, and the Draft Network for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. This is usually the part of the podcast where I tell you what we're going to do next, and it's a little bit hard to tell you what's going to be next on the podcast until we know what actually is going to happen here with Carson Wentz, with the Bears quarterback situation. Maybe by the time we're ready for tomorrow's podcast, Wentz will be on a new team, Chicago or not. If he's with the Bears, of course, that's all we're going to be talking about. If Carson Wentz moves elsewhere, we'll be talking about the deal, of course, and where the Bears were in that deal, but then also move on to other potential quarterback options. And some of the recent quotes from Matt Nagy about why the team wants to swing big at the quarterback spot. So, a lot more daily Bears news and analysis coming your way. Appreciate you for listening in, for following along. I hope you'll ride with us throughout the offseason as we get into the NFL draft and free agency and so much more to get you all ready for what should be an all-or-nothing 2021 season ahead of us. So it's going to be a lot of fun. 
It's going to be a long offseason now with the Super Bowl in the books, but but we'll get through it together. You just got to make sure you bear down.